Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Adventures in Bad Parenting and Other Weird Stories. I'm glad to have you here, and I want to thank everybody again who's been watching the cartoon or sharing the show in some way. If you remember one of my favorite episodes, it was called Doctors, German Hospitals, and Cowboy Dentists. I'm hoping to have a cartoon of that out to you this week, so please check it out and please share it with a friend. I'm at the pool, right, with my three kids. Every adult at a pool where there are lots of children, like, you know how they make pools pretty much for kids now? They're shallow and they have like a spray park element. Well, at those pools, every parent has that same look on their face. They all like kind of look like they're squinting and their face is like turned away from the water because no one wants to get splashed with that water. Like most people don't want to get splashed with water anyway, but if you get splashed with that water where all the children are, you're going to get pink eye. And then this little girl comes up and, you know, again, I have three small children with me. They're roughly her age, but she wants to talk to me and she keeps talking and keeps talking and she was a close talker and it's weirding me out. Like the grandma's just sitting there like right by the side of the pool and this kid won't leave me alone. I'm like, hey kids, this kid wants to play. You should befriend her and talk to her. And my kids are like, no, I don't mean they were mean. They just didn't seem to really gravitate towards her. It was like my own children, even though the oldest one is only 10. He and down to the youngest six-year-old, they could all sense, no, this is one of those very lonely, very weird kids that has a lot to say. I know I shouldn't look down on anybody that's lonely and weird and has a lot to say, regardless of their age, but my kids were not having it. And so I kept trying to get my kids involved so that this kid would get distracted and leave me alone. And the kid keeps talking to me and she's like, see, hold the pool noodle like this and I'm going to jump through it. I'm like, oh gosh, no, (laughs) you've gone from, you know, bothering me to like trying to turn me into some weird ringmaster. Finally, I, I think I told my oldest son, I'll give you five bucks if you just take this pool noodle and play with this kid. And he did. I'm five bucks, none the richer, but I didn't have the grandma suddenly like whip out some pepper spray. Like, what are you doing with my kid? Like, well, you should have been watching it. So you knew she was bothering the adults and had some boundary issues. So I'm calling this episode Fun with Boundary Issues. Chapter 1, Herbal Essences and Unfaithful Scissor Hands. Believe it or not, some of the social boundary uh, violations I've seen actually were at haircutting places. It might be because I get my haircut at Walmart. I go in there one time and this lady was like, putting my head in the sink to wash it. And then she was like, oh, we have this new shampoo. You got to smell it. And I'm like, okay, you know, because I'm going to get to smell some Walmart shampoo. This is going to be fun. And she pours the shampoo into my hair and it did smell good. I think it smelled like, I don't know, mint or something. But then as she starts to rub it into my scalp, she can't just be like, doesn't that smell nice? No, she goes, oh, doesn't that smell good? And then she starts to, like, moan as she smells the shampoo. I'm not trying to be crude, but this is what really happened. And it sounds like an Herbal Essences commercial. And it was really awkward and uncomfortable. And she did not get the clue that, though she may enjoy this, I did not. Um, And I think she even tried to sell me the shampoo when it was over. And I was like, no, 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 thank you. Another time I was living in Salt Lake City when I was finishing college. And I had to walk by this um, uppity haircutting place. It it was not a Walmart, believe me. In fact, they had a sign outside of their door that said free mullet removal. So I don't think those are the kind of people that get their hair cut at Walmart or that, you know, ever even walk into a Walmart. But I had to walk past them to get to the college from my apartment and they'd always look down their nose at me like, look at his crappy haircut.
You see, when I was living in Salt Lake, I got my hair cut uh, at a place that also had a sign outside their door. But it didn't say free mullet removal. It said $4 haircuts. And not only was that the sign in front of the door, that was the name of the place. They, they'd give you a $4 haircut. I'd get my haircut there, and I'm pretty sure the woman cutting my hair was drunk because she was trying to watch the TV in the corner <laughs> while she cut my hair, and she said completely incoherent things that didn't make any sense. And the only thing that sort of did make sense was something about what they called being drunk when she was a kid. Alrighty, now we're ready for the unfaithful scissor hands part of boundary violations and haircuts. I'm in Cheyenne now. A few years ago, I go into the mall to get my haircut. This is what happens when you don't get your haircut at Walmart. So I, I go in, I finally get someone to call my name, and this very like grumpy, tired, um, very thin woman looks at me and didn't say anything. She just led me back to the sink, and she... She wasn't doing good. If you've seen Gremlins, the gremlin that got cooked in the microwave, that was that was kind of the wavelength she was on. She was not doing good. So she puts my head in the sink and starts washing it. And out of nowhere, we had said nothing to each other. I don't know why she decided it was time to to share, to make this an Oprah moment and violate some, some boundaries. But what she said to me was, I found another woman's underwear in my van. And she said it like that, too. She was, like, really tired. Like, her voice was bouncing off some rocks. And I said, oh, because what else do you say? And then she she added more to the boundary violation by saying, I asked my husband about it, and he said, wouldn't you like to know? (laughs) What do you say to someone like that when you're, like, you know, head down, not face down, but back of your head down in a sink, and a total stranger reveals this to you, like, what what, what do you say? And then on top of it, it's not like, you know, if I was a girl or something or a lady, I could be like, oh, men are scum, you know, they're, they're garbage, I hope they die. No, it was me. I was the only dude in there, and I'm, I'm like, in a layer of angry females because, you know, they've all been talking all day about what happened, and now I'm in there, and I'm the perverted evil guy. She pulls up my head and, like, wraps a towel and leads me, you know, to the haircutting chair. And I don't know if I said anything, if I did say that's terrible or what. I just think I said, oh, my goodness, you know, because that's about as the most you can get away with. And then this woman who's very angry at men and surrounded by a lot of other women who are angry at men pulls out a flipping sharp pair of scissors and starts to cut my hair. Because don't you want a woman who's angry at men to have something really sharp uh, by your hair and eyes and nose and jugular. But yeah, that was a very long haircut, which wasn't comfortable, or maybe it just seemed that way. And I paid her, and I think I gave her a very big tip. And you know what? It wasn't the worst haircut I've ever gotten. Okay, next chapter. I wish I didn't pay for your karate lessons. This is about another violation of boundaries. So my son wanted to go across the street and play with the kid who lives across the street. And he'd said, I'm supposed to go there at two. And he had told us about this all day. So as we're driving home with him in the car, we're running a little late. And we told him, hey, you're going to be a few minutes late to your friend's house. And I don't know if it was that or something, but a fight broke out. And we started arguing. And anyway, we finally get to the house. And I'm thankful that he'll you know, go to his friend's house for a while and cool down. I'm thinking this is a good thing. My wife puts the car in park. I I have her drive because if I drive, she tells me how to drive. We put the car in park in the driveway. I go out of the car, go to the back of it. I open the door. He steps out. 
he kind of gets to the edge of the SUV. It's big. He's only 10. And he kind of like jumps down. And as he jumps down, he bends his knees and throws a swift, fast jab right into my crotch. And then runs away. And I was like, you! And then he runs over, like, and he looks back at me and smiles and gives a thumbs up. And then he runs across the street and goes to his friend's house. If he was actually, you know, being harassed or bothered at school, he probably wouldn't do that. But to his own father, you know, the guy that pays his bills and loves him and tries so hard, he punches him in the crotch. And if you make him mad, your your boundaries are going to be violated. Next chapter, Dad is not a walk in the park. So I do videography, and sometimes I shoot stills too. My little girl was going to get baptized, and we were going to take her picture, you know, in a dress. And we thought, well, since we're do- going to this length, let's get all the kids. Let's make them all wear something nice and take them to the park and take their pictures. We take to the kids to the park, and I start taking pictures of them. And um, there's some other families around who are also having their pictures taken by professional photographers. And it's almost like a lineup because there's some spots in the park where they have like little bridges and like little gardens and it's golden hour, the sun setting. So a lot of photographers are there with a lot of families doing engagement photos and family photos. And it's kind of like one big photo factory. The difference between me and the professional photographers became apparent though, as my kids started to go bonkers. Like, they were just losing their minds. I'm like, hey, smile. And they'd, like, stick their tongue out. Or, hey, smile. And they'd, like, put their lower lip between their teeth. Like, and I'm like, no, don't do that. And then it just kept happening and going. You have really good light, but we're losing it. And I'm trying to take photos. And I start yelling. I'm like, you stand there. You stand next to her. You stand there. Okay, now smile and act like you are happy. Okay? If you don't act like you're happy, I swear, I'm going to punch one of you in the face. That made them laugh and smile. And I laughed and smiled and I got the shot. But then I got that feeling you get, you know, when someone's looking at you. And I look over my shoulder and this whole assembly line of photographers and parents and children and grandparents who want our spot by the pond where the sun was setting and making gold on the water. They look at me like I'm Jack the Ripper. And you know why? Because they're professional photographers. They're not related to these people that they're taking the pictures for. They're not going to threaten to punch these kids in the face. And they don't know that I'm these kids' dad. And I can say that to them. And so I just got that like creepy feeling coming over my whole body when I realized, like, crap, they're going to call the cops. So um, I got some good shots of the kids running uh, along with me away from that area, which probably made the whole thing just look worse. Next chapter, Bad Apple. So I had to go to a parent-teacher conference meeting. I don't know what my place is in those things anymore. Like like my, my wife, she seems to know exactly what to say to these people that are around our kids all day judging our performance as parents. Um, I just feel like kind of the village idiot. I feel like I'm in the principal's office all over again. So anyway, we sit down with the teachers. There's a bunch of them, which I didn't think was fair. I was hoping it would be just one teacher and then me and my wife so we could gang up on her. But no, she she brought reinforcements. All of uh, our one kid, I won't say which one, this child's teachers were there. And what they said was your kid has some kind of tendencies where your child tries to make everybody else laugh. And I was like, boy, I wonder where our child learned to do that. 
But then instead of saying, you know, whatever you're supposed to say to a teacher when they say your kids are terrible, uh, like, you know, I don't know, I'll spank my kids more or I'll get rid of them or whatever you're supposed to say. What I said to this teacher was, well, do they laugh? Apparently that's not what you're supposed to say to teachers when they're commenting on, you know, your kid's class clown tendencies. You know, I just figured if my kid's making trouble, I hope that they're at least building an audience now and and going somewhere with this if they're getting in trouble for it. One of the teachers started to tell us about how her kid was getting in trouble saying something inappropriate at school. And what the kid had said, she told us what this kid had said, not ours, but hers. Yeah, that's right. The teacher's messing up now. Her kid said something very inappropriate in class. And the other teachers are like, wow. And my wife is like, wow. And I'm like... And apparently I wasn't supposed to laugh at what that kid said, no matter how funny it was. The other things I've said that maybe aren't boundary violations, but more like just lacking in common sense that I've said at school functions that my kids were involved with. One time we were supposed to go hear Christmas music. My kid was playing in the band, the school or orchestra. I don't know. One of those things where they play music and um, we sat down. They're supposed to play all this holiday music. But what came out at the start was this like, and it was scary. It was, it was a lot lower than the sound I made. It sounded like the Imperial March to Star Wars. It was not happy Santa Claus love and, and religious music. It was just spooky. And I said, super loud, are they going to kill us? And, you know, I felt sad because no one laughed. No one got the joke. Apparently, everyone was on their best behavior and was like, oh, yeah, it'll be fun to hear small children make noise with instruments. But anyway, I said that. Final thing I said at a school function, this was on purpose. I knew this wasn't a good idea, but I still thought it was funny. I We were at some school thing where you're supposed to make crafts with the other kids, and I'm there, and a bunch of parents are there, and I see someone from work, and they're like, isn't this, I can't remember, I think they said, isn't this really cool that they're doing this with the kids? And I shouted back real loud, not, I didn't whisper in this person's ear, I said it real loud, like, I'm just excited to be here. Usually I'm not supposed to get anywhere near a school zone. <laughs> What's funny, the dads all laughed, they all thought that was real cool. <laughs> Final chapter about boundaries, the bounds between kids and parents. So years ago, the comedian Colin Farrell said on Saturday Night Live that years ago, If you didn't beat your kids and weren't a horrible drunk, you were a good father. And then he pointed out how it's a lot harder now because you actually have to be involved with your kids and spend time with them. And I, I love my kids, but it is definitely a jump because my father was from that generation where, yeah, I... Dude, if you're not bleeding and you're fed and you have a roof over your head, I'm doing my job as your father. And now I'm supposed to do stuff with my kids, like watch Disney movies and go to Disney whatever land, paradise, and and I'm supposed to engage with them in positive ways that are at their level. And my wife has a bookshelf. It's not full of leather-bound volumes of, like, Dickens or whatever, you know. No, it's it's been infiltrated with board games and card games. It's a whole bookshelf full of puzzles and all kinds of games that, you know what? I don't want to play. You can't plug them in. The only kind of games I like are video games because I can, like, quietly play them by myself and listen to a podcast and not be bothered. These are the games people played back when they thought they were going to have an atomic war at any minute, so they wanted to have games they could play where they didn't have to be plugged in and people didn't know how to have fun yet. 
And my wife loves them. The exploding kittens and drunken penguins. I don't know. All of these horrible games. And I'm supposed to play them. And what's weird is I usually win them. And my wife's like, you can't win. Let the kids win. And I'm like, the problem is I wasn't even paying attention. Like when you say put a card down, I just put a card down. And by luck of the draw, I always win. I didn't want to win. I didn't want to play in the first place. Why can't I go to Vegas like that and just put cards down and not care and win a lot of money? But all I win is the frustration of my children. My dad was was one of those men who was raised with the, the values of my job is to make sure, you know, there's food on the table. He doesn't he have to cook it. He just had to make sure it was paid for. And man, I envy that guy. I remember when I was a kid, once in a while, like for Christmas or whatever, back then, I would get, you know, a game, a board game or a card game, and I'd try to get my dad to play. Right away, this guy who, like, you know, was an attorney and a Marine officer and very smart and very squared away became the dumbest guy in the world. I mean, he would just play dumb, so he wouldn't have to play. This guy who was capable of all kinds of stuff suddenly couldn't figure out the rules to Old Maid, no matter how much we explained them to him. And then he would start putting down the wrong cards to sabotage it, so we'd just get frustrated, and we, he wouldn't have to play with us. But no, that that was my dad's my dad's technique, is suddenly he was just not the smartest guy at all. The one game I got my dad to play where I think he actually had a good time was a game called Stratego. Or, yeah, I think that's how you say it, Stratego. If you, I'll put the link if you want to look it up. You have all these plastic figures. You put them on a board that looks like a battlefield. And they have different, I think, ranks. And those correspond with a number. And the lower the number is, the more powerful or dangerous each of those pieces are. For example, a six can kill a nine. And you go around trying to kill the other one's general, I think. Well, I, you know, finally explained how to play this to my dad. And he's like, "Uh uh-huh, 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 yeah. And I, I line up all the pieces. And then he beat the crap out of me. I don't mean in real life. I mean, in the game, he started to do really good. And I, you know, was like 12 then. So I know he didn't want to play. So I was like, oh, this will be an easy win. This will be fun. No, it wasn't. His, like, number two or whatever got behind my lines and just started to kill indiscriminately one after another. I couldn't do anything about it. And he started to enjoy himself. I think it reminded him of being in Vietnam again. Because at some point with all of my dead players, as he just marched all over him, he was like, Hey, Dean, look at look at my side. There's only a few dead. Look at all the dead ones on your side. You see that? Yeah. Do you observe the carnage? That's what he said. Do you see the carnage? And I'll never forget that. Anyway, for all of those of us who are trying to survive parenting and and maintain healthy boundaries, I wish all of you the best of luck. We're going to get through this hang in there.